0: In my last sermon, I spoke of the need to build bridges with the body of Christ, build bridges with one another, seek to be in unity with those found in the body of Christ, no matter what it takes on your side to seek unity with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Our flesh wants nothing to do with such a plan, of course. In fact, our flesh is destructive and desires to tear down relationships rather than build them up. None of us can deny that we have been in this tearing down position. There have been times when we have been offended by something that someone else has said or done, and the result is that we produce ill feelings toward the offending individual. Okay, well, if you're going to be that way, then I'll be this way. And I just won't talk to you. But understand this, people, this is not Christ. This is not a position that a Christian would take. In fact, the scripture tells us, love your enemies even and pray for those who despitefully use you. It's a tough thing to do, isn't it? At times, Because we want to walk in the flesh. We want to get back with that person who has spoken to us or acted towards us in a very offending way. But there have been times when we have been offended by something someone else has said or done. And the result is these ill feelings. We need to get beyond this type of mindset. For if we don't. The evil one, Satan does use these. He knows of our weaknesses. The evil one will always use it to take our focus off Christ. I know what to do to get Larry's focus off Christ. <laughs> Boom, and he'll put this uh, fiery dart or arrow in my mind, and I think of a person that has offended me, and I'm like, yeah, that dirty guy. But, but this just isn't the Christian way of responding God has given us the ministry, Scripture says, of reconciliation. We are reconcilers. We go to the offending person even if they have not apologized to, to us, let's say. And we do our best to try to work things out. Because we're Christian, we represent Christ. <clears throat> now, we never compromise for the sake of truth. We, we know that as Christians... But we we do show love to our brother or sister by attempting to open the door to reconciliation. Paul speaks of this in his letter to those in Ephesus when he says this at chapter two, verse one. He says, there was a time. There was a time. He says in verse one, and you... We're dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, or the sons who are at enmity with God, those who are enemies with God. You're no longer enemies of God. He goes on in verse three, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body, the desires of me, what I want. Because you know, there was a time when I was on the throne and I was serving myself. So he says, the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath, children of destruction, like the rest of mankind but God but God do we like that transitional phrase there but God we understand but God is the one who brought change to you who brought change to me being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is the we are there but not yet position that we have in Christ. He has seated us in the heavenly places in Christ. We still exist on this earth, but we are there. He has accomplished the work for us, and we are there with him at this time, yet we still have work to do in these bodies. He goes on in uh, verse 6, and raised us up with him and seated us. With him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. So let the grace of God be active and working in your lives to show Christ not only to one another. Yes, first we show Christ to one another in the body of Christ. But as a body, we show Christ to the world. How are we showing Christ to the world in our day today? Are we showing Christ or is there bickering in our midst? And usually when there's bickering, it, uh, sometimes it could just be from a matter of opinion. Well, I think white and you think black. Well, it shouldn't be so. How, how can we grow to understand why our, bro- our brother thinks white or why our sister thinks black? We need need to make concessions within the body of Christ towards one another. Why? Because God has accepted us; He has made accept, uh, uh, He has made concessions for us, and therefore we make concessions for others. But for the sake of time and not to get off the topic, I will not do a thorough analysis of this text in Ephesians 2. However, there is a very important truth here that separates those who have been born again, those who have been given a spirit, the spirit of adoption, those who possess the life of Christ, <clears throat> those who are the elect of God. There is a spiritual distinction from those who are still in their sins and therefore subject to God's wrath. When Paul says that those Christians in Ephesus were dead in their trespasses and sins, this means that they had not been enlightened by the Spirit to the things of God. They had no relationship with God. There was no connection between the father and the child they were simply dead we were simply dead to spiritual life and therefore had no spiritual discernment to direct us according to the word of god <clears throat> now at these now that these christians have the life of christ dwelling in them they have what is needed to speak and like And act like Christ. But the question is, are we speaking? Are we acting like Christ? Are we truly being the ambassadors that he has called us to be to the generation of people around us? Well, we have been saved by grace. And this deposit that God has granted us is the game changer between those who are saved and those who are lost. There should be a strong distinction or a strong point of demarcation between the Christian and the person who is still lost in their sins. The Christian has been enlightened now to understand that his life has been changed and his world has gone from a me-centered world to a God-centered world where Christ sits on the throne and those who are called by his name seek to worship him and bring pleasure to him in all areas of life. Not just in our time Sunday mornings, not in our time on Wednesday night when we're with the brethren so we can speak and act like Christians. No, in every area of life, as you read the scripture, you will see that there's no neutrality when it comes to our responsibility before God. We don't, we cannot have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. Amen. We, uh, we have either come all the way over and we've committed our lives to Christ or we're still dwelling in the world. No longer, no longer is Sunday looked upon as the only day where God is acknowledged But every day has now become an opportunity to serve and bring pleasure and glory to him. This is the mindset of the Christian. And when we wander outside of this mindset, because we do at times, when we wander outside of this mindset, we are terribly, or the Christian will be terribly convicted because he is a child of God. And as a child of God, we've got a perfect father. And that perfect father doesn't discipline like the fathers, like us, like me, like my father. But he, he disciplines and chastens us perfectly. Why? To draw us into conformity to the life of Christ, where we come back to that point and we seek to bring pleasure to him. Has this been your experience? Are you terribly convicted by your sin? Is it your desire when you have sinned and you've fallen? You've broken faith with God. Is it your desire with every ounce of energy you have to get right with your father, to get right in your relationship with God? These are marks of the Christian And if it has been your experience, then you know that God is most pleased when we are following what He has commanded. But when we break that faith, there is no pleasure there. There's no pleasure there. In fact, Jesus makes this clear when He says in John 14, this, starting at verse 12, He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in Me Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Whoever has been converted, his life will mirror my life. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son, If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, Jesus says, you will keep my commandments. How do we prove that we love Jesus? We keep his commandments. Are we doing this today? Is it our desire? Is it our will to keep the commandments of God? But are we still on the throne where we want to please self and we don't want to have anything to do with pleasing God? Yeah, I'll go to church on Sunday. I'll go to Bible study. You know, there's some, there's some interesting things to learn there which may make my life better, right? Is that, is that the purpose, to make me a better person, to make people like me better than they, they do at this point? What is our purpose coming to church? What is our purpose in our devotions? What is our purpose when we go to Bible study, for example, on Wednesday night, or we go to a prayer group or a ladies meeting? What is our purpose? Is our first purpose to bring pleasure to him? With our second purpose to be edifying those that we are worshiping him, with are these our purposes is this what is forefront in our minds when we come into the point where we are worshiping our god these are marks of the child of god the child of god has experienced a love and a compassion from the heavenly father that is unmatched by any relationship that he has ever experienced has this been your experience has this been your experience? Have you experienced this great love and you cannot contain yourself, you just have to tell others about it? Right, remember that time, maybe you're first saved, you had to run out to the street and tell everybody about what Christ had done for you. Maybe you didn't have that experience. I kind of had that experience. And I, I, I didn't know anything, but I wanted to, to tell all my friends about nothing I knew about God, but that he loved me so much and he died for my sins. You know, in the book of Revelation, you know, where where the Lord is uh, is exercising his rebuke to the seven churches. You know, he... He always, he always has a great and gracious way of addressing us. You know, He's very winsome, telling us what, we ought, what, what He appreciates and loves about us. But then He'll go right to the heart, too, and rebuke us for those things that we need to be rebuked for, just like in the seven churches. <clears throat> This is our loving Father active within the lives of His children. If we've experienced this love, the child of God continues to go back to this well of living water to partake of the love that only His Father, Heavenly Father, can give him. Is it your practice to? continually daily go back to this well of living water or have you chosen to drink from cisterns that produce no life these cisterns that are earthly but do not do not produce any heavenly or spiritual benefit for you they they will not bring you in any way into conformity to Christ. These earthly cisterns can only give what the evil one has provided them to give. They can in no way build up the spiritual man, which is what we need to prepare ourselves for the life that we will live in Christ. As our study moves in to Romans 15, we need to ask ourselves if we are truly functioning, truly operating in the full capacity that Christ affords Or are we simply masquerading as a Christian while bearing no fruit of repentance? It can be very difficult to bear with one another. We know this. There's some people in our lives that just rub us wrong. We have differences with these people. But if these differences are only matters of opinion. We are commanded to work these things out. Yeah, but you know she does this a certain way, and I—I'm I, just telling you, I can't get get over it. You know. Well, this is a great time to sit down with your sister or brother in Christ and work through these differences that you may have. Being sensitive to the needs to the other, to the conscience of the other, being willing to give up your liberty. For the benefit of another to make sacrifices for one another that show that we love one another just as much if not more than we love ourselves this is the way of the christian think about this for a minute do you when you rise in the morning think about your family and your friends hygiene Wives, do you make sure that your husband brushes his teeth and puts on deodorant before he goes to work? Do you make sure that his hair is combed properly and his collar for his shirt is folded down so that he is not embarrassed when his fellow employees see him? Well, I must say, you know, there are some wives that will do this. My wife seems to be very conscientious about these things, but normally... We, we don't think about others. When we get up in the morning, we're thinking about ourselves and, and our own day and, you know, usually. But if we're thinking about others, if we're in prayer for others, this is showing a maturity in Christ. You know, husbands, us Husbands. Are we as attentive to our wives as we are ourselves? You know, I, I know I should be, you know, I know my wife, being married for 35 years, I, I should be to the point where I understand the needs that she has. And I should be in, attentive to them. But I'm, always, I'm not always attentive to her needs. There's room for growth in my life, in my ministry toward my wife. But as we see these things happening, as we see that we are considering others before ourselves, God is bringing us closer and closer into our conformity to his son. And this is a good thing. Husbands loving their wives, wives respecting their husbands, children obeying their parents, all people subjecting themselves to the civil magistrate, and all of us loving our enemies and praying for those who despitefully use us. These are all indicators that we are walking in obedience to Christ However, these are all things that can be extremely difficult to do, and especially when these people are not being nice to us. That's the worst, right? When people are not nice to us. Because we measure all by how nice they are to us, right? You know, it's much easier to be around a nice, a nice person. They could be as, as pagan as all get out, but they're really nice, Right? Is that what we look for in the relationships that we have with one another? No, it's not. It's not. We have been given commands by God to follow, and these commands are not hitched with conditions. I cannot say that I will only love my children if they love me. I cannot say there's a condition there to love because God has commanded me to love my children and not provoke them to anger, but to do certain things in their life that show them my love for them. This is <clears> the, <throat> when, we, when we do not show this kind of love towards others, this is the pattern of the prince of the power of the air or Satan himself because he seeks to divide. He wants us to have differences. And he wants us to exasperate those differences so that there is division specifically in the body of Christ, right? But we need to get away from the old patterns and embrace that which is new, the new creation that God has made us. That which comes from the heart that has been converted by the Spirit. So with that, please turn with me to Romans 15 and follow along at verse one, if you could. Romans chapter 15, verse one. And Paul says this, we who are strong, so you get that Paul is identifying with those who are strong. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. And not to please ourselves, let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may be with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Welcome one another. You know, all of us, When we come to Christ, we have idiosyncrasies, don't we? We have things that just rub people wrong. But we come to Christ, and guess what? He accepts us. He accepts us with all the intrinsic issues that we have. Therefore, what he is saying here? We should should accept one another with all the intrinsic issues that we have as well. We're a body, we're brothers, we're sisters in Christ. We're going to dwell together throughout eternity with one another. Oh yeah, but you know, in time, I'm going to stay away from these people. No, what are we doing? We have been given the ministry of reconciliation. That means we need to strive to reconcile with a brother or sister who he might not see eye to eye with. I know this can be very, very difficult at times. And I know these are hot buttons that sometimes we just want to set aside we don't want to deal with, but we do need to deal with them. We do need to deal with them. But in in these first seven verses in Romans 7, we see a few things that Paul covers in these verses First, Paul identifies with the strong, but this is in no way to imply that Paul is any more accepted by the Lord than the weak are. It does not mean that he finds himself on a different plane or in a different category when it comes to the conscience of the believer. For example, the strong would have more freedom in regard to conscience to participate in certain activities that the weak would not. We've covered this in our last three studies. Drinking alcohol, eating meat, dancing, watching movies, would be a few examples that I'm sure if we spoke to one another, we would have some disagreements, right? But a lot of these disagreements can just merely be matters of opinion, like Paul covers in Romans 14, the first couple verses. And we shouldn't strive with each other in regard to these things, but we should sacrifice for one another. Within just these few examples, drinking, eating meat, dancing, going to movies, whatever it may be, there will be those who are scattered across the spectrum between, for example, those who would say that dancing, for example, has no part in a Christian's life. I've known people like that, and those who would say that any form of dancing—that's ah, okay, it's appropriate. We're free to—we're we're, freeing Christ to do so. Uh huh. Okay each family present here today could represent a different spot on the dancing spectrum simply because they have differing views on dancing. It's okay. Okay, well enough. However, the question is, how do we determine what should be our conviction on, a certain do- on any certain topic? How do we determine that by the word of God? Well, first off, since Christ our elder brother is the standard, we look to his life to gain understanding. We look to the word to gain understanding. You may, for example, have strong convictions in regard to dancing, and you may even think that dancing is evil. <laughs> however, dancing, <clears throat> however dancing can be evil, and actually a form of idolatry if we are dancing to satisfy a lust that exists within our heart. That's what it comes down to. No matter whatever we do, no matter what the topic is, what is our intent, what are we trying to get to, okay? You may be one who likes to dance, and I would say that most people enjoy some form of dancing. But what we must ask ourselves is, What is the intent of our hearts when we participate in dancing? One may say, well, it is just fun to dance and I enjoy it. Okay, well enough. But does your freedom to dance cause your brother who doesn't dance to stumble as a result of your particular dancing desires? Perhaps your brother is shocked by your dancing and especially by how your Body parts move around and gyrate when you are dancing. What I am getting at here is that something such as dancing can be extremely innocent, or it can be excessively offensive. There's a spectrum there. How do we find out where we knew we should be on that on that spectrum? And because there will be those who are on different parts of the dancing spectrum, when applied to conscience, we all should think a bit more down the road. We do not tend to think down the road in regard to where our freedom will lead us. No matter what the freedom may be, we need to think down the road before we participate. We need to think down the road in regard to how our freedom to dance, for example, or anything else, may affect our brother or sister. This is just one example, and there are many more. But scripture is fairly clear about the Christian's position in all things, no matter what it is, no matter what freedom we may think we have the liberty to engage in. I would suggest a few things to consider when exercising or considering exercising our liberties. Three things. First, our representation in Christ or of Christ. Can others associate you with Christ in this liberty that you are expressing? You know, in the mass of humanity or in an activity when there are so many people involved, can a person look and say, this person's different over here. Why are they different? I'd like to inquire. Are we representing Christ, number one, when we uh, participate in this liberty that we are partaking in? Or... Do you look just like the world when partaking in this liberty? Number one. Number two. When you partake in a certain liberty, is it edifying to those around you? Right? Remember early on in the study, are we considering others when we partake in our liberties? Or are you just thinking about yourself and your own enjoyment? Number three. Thirdly, is our liberty building up our inner man? Or is it working against the Spirit's operation in our life? So these are three things to consider when we partake in our liberties our representation of Christ, are we edifying those around us, and is it building up our inner man, which is Christ? Things to consider. When we when we speak about dancing, well, well I've you know I've experienced you know, probably experienced dancing the last fifty years of my life in different forms, and there there was times I'm like, well, yeah, yeah you know, it's edifying here, uh, you know, it's it's good how they're participating in this, but then there were other times I'm raising my eyebrows, telling my family we need to get out of here and we need to get out of here now. Right? So there's this spectrum. You know, because Scripture never says dancing is evil. But there are churches who would have qualifications for you to be there. Do you dance? You're out. Do you watch TV? You're out. Do you see movies? Do you gamble? You're out. Do you drink? You're out. But my opinion, these churches aren't thinking... Hard, of, hard enough about the liberties that we have in Christ and we need to think harder about how we express these liberties and these liberties we, 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 we need to express ourselves in moderation in, in consideration of our brothers and sisters in Christ because as we read Psalm 133 we want to seek unity in the body of Christ right And that means we might have to, when we're in certain, with certain families or in certain crowds, we may have to give up the liberty that we might express somewhere else. Because our liberty in this environment causes my brother or sister to stumble. That's the last thing we want to do, is to make our brother or sister stumble. Or, for that matter, for the unbeliever to look upon us and say, wow, that's a Christian? Huh, I thought they were different <laughs> thus, we must ask ourselves, who are we attempting to please with our liberties? ourselves, maybe the crowd or the Lord? who are we trying attempting to bring pleasure to you know, once again, no, no neutrality as a Christian <clears throat> Paul gives us our answer in verse 2 of our text in Romans 15. He says this, Let each one of us, or let each of us, I'm sorry, please his neighbor for his good. Let each one of us please his neighbor for his benefit. Are we considering our neighbor when we're expressing our liberties? Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up, to edify him. So I walk into an environment, I think, wow, this looks like a lot of fun, here I go. And I don't consider anything else. I'm just considering my own enjoyment in pleasing me, (laughs) right? But Jesus showed us a better way, didn't he? that we should consider our brothers, our sisters in Christ, those even on the outside of the body of Christ when we do the things we do, when we participate in the liberties that God has given us to participate in. So the captain of our team, Lord Jesus, took all the brunt for you and I. You know, we talk about these little liberty sacrifices that we make, consider what he has done for us. He took all the brunt for you and I receiving the full wrath of the Father for our trespasses. He even went so far to say while well, on the cross, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. When someone crosses us, does that come across our mind? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Or do we say, ma, I'm not going to be offended by that. How do we respond? Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Now, if it's a Christian and they know better, it's a different story. I understand that. This Jesus did while he was terribly suffering to death for your sin and mine. We are ambassadors of Christ. And we must commit to do the same. Yes, the strong will suffer as they yield their freedoms on behalf of Christ's weaker bride. But the purpose is to advance the kingdom. Every opportunity that befalls us this is walking as christ walked this is how one reveals the father's nature and thus brings glory to him in matthew 16 jesus foretells his disciples of his death after this he informs his disciples that they must follow the same route he does not mince words when he says this to his disciples at verse 24, Matthew 16, 24, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him first enjoy himself and all that life has to offer. For we've got to live our best life now, right? Live our best life now. No, he didn't say that. He said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Or things you see me do, follow in kind. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each one according to what he has done. He will repay each one, each person, according to what he has done. We need to be conscientious of this. We need to strive to enter the narrow gate, on the narrow path, or is it our position in life to walk on the broad way which leads to destruction? Do we know our Bibles? <laughs> the broad way leads to destruction but the narrow way, the difficult way, the way that you stumble and stub your toe and fall off the side and you got to recover. This way leads to eternal life. Now most of us would probably never see probably will never see the persecution, suffering, and death that Jesus and his disciples experienced. But nonetheless, we should walk according to the pattern that he laid out for us to walk. This pattern includes laying down our lives and desires for the sake of the brethren. Because if we do not show the world that this behavior is, Is appropriate before the eyes of God, who will? Who else will show this appropriate behavior that we need to display, put on display before the eyes of God and men, if we don't do it ourselves? A divided football team will never win the Super Bowl. But the team that wins expresses the unity needed as a cohesive unit to win it all. This is a unity that we need to display as the body of Christ. Paul elaborates on this with a sports analogy of his own in 1 Corinthians 9. In this chapter, he is expressing to those in Corinth that he has been given the freedom in Christ to do many things. Yet you read that first part of 1 Corinthians, you'll see that Paul's saying, I, I've got the freedom to do so much in Christ. But he hasn't exercised these freedoms lest he would somehow deter others from coming to Christ. He does not express these freedoms. He says this at verse 19, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people. We need to get that in our minds. I become all things to all people. Paul became all things to all people, that by all means he might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Do you not know, he says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain the prize. Perfect your Christianity. What do you mean, perfect my Christianity? Continue to look to Christ and the life he has presented to you, and do likewise. He says in verse 25, every athlete exercises self control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. See, he's saying here, I run with focus focus on the word of God, focus on my Savior, focus on presenting the gospel. I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest, after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Do we think about these things in our day-to-day life? We, We do one thing in our lives, one command that we have given to put on display the life of Christ that he has given us. What would the church look like if we all walked in such a way? The way of denial, sacrificing our desires for the betterment, the edification of our brothers and sisters in Christ and to see others be saved. Yes, this is sacrifice, but not just a sacrifice. It is a sacrificial duty That we perform knowing that it is well pleasing to the Father, and for this reason we persist in the duty. Yes, sir. We salute the flag and we move forward. Back in our text in Romans 15, look with me at what Paul says at verse 4. Verse 4 of chapter 15, he says, Forever, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. We have people that went before us. Read Hebrews 11, and you'll see this tremendous hope of people who walked the walk. They talked the talk. They did it. He goes on in verse five, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another. It's God's will that we live in harmony with one another, that we don't bicker over foolish things like opinions, that we might live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice one clarion, one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Welcome your weaker brother in Christ. Welcome your stronger sister in Christ. Welcome them because they're in Christ. In Paul's letter here to the Romans, He gives them no wiggle room. Either stay in the game, abide in Christ, follow his example, or go do something else. But if you're going to wear the emblem of Christian, act like one, Mm -hmm. act like Christ. Examine his life, put on display the things that he did. The Lord requires unity in his body. In order to achieve this, we will need to make concessions with others in the body. Paul reiterates once again what he said in Romans 14. We are to accept one another because God has accepted us. And he accepts our brother and our sister as well. We are family with many issues. We know this. We all know this, and we all have our own issues. I think at times if we recognize that we have our own issues and think about, well, I wonder what they think about me. (laughs) We might think twice about, you know, coming into strong disagreement or falling out of unity with our brothers and sisters. Remember, our brothers and sisters put up with us as well. Right? Right? the family of God faces a matter seeks to understand the matter and does what is needed to work through the matter we have been given if you just look at at Liberty 1 Corinthians 8, 1 Corinthians 10 uh, you look at Romans 14, Romans 15 there's a guide there to work through our differences you know, one might have this liberty; another one might not have liberty. But we come together, and we are sensitive to each other's position on that spectrum of liberty, condemning one another not uh, just because you like blue, and I think blue is the worst color in the world. Really, it's my favorite color. I don't know why I'd say that, but uh, I just think a, a color is so stupid to embrace. Um, why should I condemn my brother for holding just an opinion that I don't hold? It's silly. Our resolve as a body of Christ should be much more steady than our biologicals fam- biological families. For we as a body of Christ have the mind of Christ to give us assistance in every manner. You know, we, we might not live through eternity with our biological families. There will be some in our families that are pagan and will never come to Christ. But yet, hey, blood's thicker than water, right? If my biological family has a problem, I'm going to be there. But my church family, eh. (laughs) And I'm not saying we don't need to be there for our biological family. We do do have a responsibility there. But we also have a responsibility in the body of Christ to love one another as we have been commanded to do. The biological pagan family has no such help to assist them when conflict arises. Whereas pagan biological siblings do not have the scripture to work from, we as a body of Christ do. And thus we should seek to resolve all conflicts no matter how difficult that they seem to be. You know, do you think that would fall into the area of various trials that James talks about in James 1? knowing that the testing of your faith and my faith produces patience and that we should let patience have its perfect work that we may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing, lacking zero, espousing, espousing to grow in maturity and come into conformity to the life of Christ. This builds character and should, as a result, bring us closer together as brothers and sisters in Christ. It shouldn't bring us apart. You know, I I have many brothers that I really appreciate. They're just really good brothers. But some of them have differences. Now, rather than say, I don't know how he came to that point of theology... You know, because I respect these brothers so much, I want to learn. You know, brother, I don't see this in the scripture, but uh, obviously you you do. Uh, Please help me in this area. Maybe I I, I don't see things quite right. Are we sensitive to our brothers in Christ about these things? Or we put up an immediate wall because they see things differently than we do? moving on paul says this at verse 8 of romans 15 for i tell you that christ became a servant to the circumcised to show god's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the gentiles might glorify god for his mercy as it is written therefore i will Praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. So by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Once again, we see this beautiful plan of God bringing contrary peoples, both Jew and Gentile alike, together that he may be glorified in all peoples that dwell on the earth. Paul only brings our differences into view that he may show us that they are not as important as we may think they are. What is God's desire? He's bringing people from every tribe, nation, tongue in the world together in unity. And what part are, do we have in that unity? Are we, are, are we putting up a strong no against that unity? No, no, I won't go this far. I won't go that far. Are we hindering the process? Or are we doing what we can according to the instructions that we have given to promote unity within the body of Christ. And I'm not just saying in our little fellowship here, but with with all Christians, we should strive for unity with, with all Christians, with all churches, seeking to understand one another. And again, not for the sake of truth, I'm not saying that, but may we strive for the unity in Christ that the world may see, wow, Look at these people. They have such a love for one another, (laughs) even though they disagree on certain things. What is important is that he is drawing all different kinds of people groups to himself. And as this happens, each individual is brought closer to the image of Christ. And as a result, we are drawn closer to one another. May the Lord continue to unify his body And by doing so, draw many to the faith. Please pray with me. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are a God who desires a unified bride. A bride that desires to love one another because you have accepted us as your bride. Oh Lord, help us. Help us to put down... Or disregard those differences that are just matters of opinion and don't mean much. Lord, help us to understand one another. Help us to, to move into one another's lives and seek to gain understanding about who we are. And Father, that you may be glorified, that your name may be herald around the earth. Father, we we thank you. We pray that you you would use the word that has been taught today, the word that has been read today, to encourage all of us to go into this next week and be ambassadors of Christ, putting him on display. And We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.